This is the Vent Time with Connie podcast, where we discuss topics that can be controversial or uncontroversial. Topics range from family, faith, lifestyle, you name it. No topic is off limits. All right, sit back and relax. Here is your host of the show, Connie. everyone welcome to Ventown with Connie podcast I'm your host Connie uh well welcome back everyone or welcome if I would say no you welcome back Connie <laughs> but I hear you I hear you but it's good to be back I know it's been a long time I've released an episode or talk to you guys and I want to say I miss you guys I really do miss releasing episode and um, I hope you're going to enjoy this one because this one was a good one. And um, But before we go straight to the topic of today, the episode of today, um, I want to first make a couple of announcements. So moving forward, uh, I won't be releasing an episode every week. It will be once or twice a month. I know, I know. It's quite short, um, but just... You know, I do have a full-time job and also have other things that I'm doing and just trying to make sure I fit in this into my schedule. Um, that, so all I, what I can do is just twice a month now and I promise you guys those twice a month I will be worthwhile listening to and um, I'll make sure I'm bringing in topics that, are, that will be a blessing to you. It won't be a waste of time like i've been doing hopefully um and um so that's just the announcement today expect them moving forward so this is the first episode for this month of november we'll see i might release another one this month and then moving forward will be once or twice so um that's it and i hope you guys are doing well so far i hope you are healthy i hope you are spiritually healthy too um, make sure you are checking, examining your your faith. You know, making sure who you are putting your faith in is it in Christ or is it something else? And make sure Christ is the center of everything, and remove any idolatry you might have in your heart or in your life. So, um, this episode I will be introducing two amazing authors, and I've read the book, almost done with it. But um, so the book that we're going to be reviewing is called When Words Matter Most. And um, I would highly encourage you, all you guys to go show our guests some love and go purchase this book if you are led. And um, and just show, tell them that you're coming from me. <laughs> you, you don't have to just go support them and purchase the book. And also on their websites that I have linked on this episode, they do have, um, if you check it out, they do have other things that they are doing that you can sign up for if you're interested. So um, that's pretty much it. And I want to make some correction. So towards the end, I did mention about fruit of the spirit and I mentioned Galatians and I quoted the wrong verse. The right verse is actually Galatians 5, 22 to 26. So when it gets to that episode, make sure you remember what I just said now. You know, erase what I said at that time and make sure you put this one. Galatians 5, 22 to 26. That's the correct verse talking about fruit of the spirit. So I think that should be um. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, do not move an inch because we'll be back right after this. Keep on listening. Okay, ladies, um, welcome. Let's go ahead and welcome our guest today. Our first guest is Cheryl Marshall. She's um, a wife, a mom, a counselor, and a Bible teacher. She has over 25 years of experience teaching and discipling women, and she currently serves as director of women's ministries at Founders Baptist Church in Spring, Texas. You can connect with her at CherylMarshall.com. And our second guest today is Caroline Neuheiser. Um, she is an um, ACBC certified counselor. She has been a pastor's wife for over 30 
years and is currently the assistant coordinator of women's counseling at Reformed Theological Seminar, Charlotte. Caroline's ministries include counseling, blogging, and speaking to women's group. You can connect with her at carolineneuheiser.com. And guys, I will have their website on the show notes of this episode. So let's give a warm welcome to our guests, our two guests. We have Cheryl and Caroline. How are you ladies doing today? Doing great, Connie. Thanks for having us. Thank you for inviting us. That's good. Thank you guys for stopping by. Um, this is going to be a very interesting episode because I've never had two authors, you know, <laughs> present at the same time interviewing them. So this is such a, pr- a privilege. And um, I don't want to waste any of our time. So uh, what do you guys think? We just dive right into the episode. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. So, um, so the topic of today will be speaking in speaking truth in love. And we will discuss about this topic in light of your new book called When Words Matter Most. So before we get into the topic and your new book, if you do not mind, um, can you please share your salvation story with us, um, like how you got saved so we can know you a little bit? Go ahead, Caroline. Okay. I was raised in a Christian home, and I believe I was on the path to salvation during my elementary school years, but it wasn't until I went to college that I really started understanding doctrine Hmm. and understanding that I was saved from my own sins, more than a concept, but it became reality to me. Yeah. And it was my husband who told me about that. (laughs) And um, I'm thankful that was the time that I was baptized when I was in college, and that was at Baylor University. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, so I've been growing ever since. And before that, I think I was just on the road because I wasn't growing. I would be up and down, and uh, the Lord just took hold of my life in 1976. Oh, wow. I think a lot of us can relate with that, especially those that have been in church their whole life, um, you know, um, and we thank God for his um, saving grace, um, for saving us. So, um, Shara, can you share yours? Sure. Um, I was also raised in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. And from a young age, my parents were sharing the gospel with me. And um, I believe I was saved at a very young age. Um, probably five or six years old. And um, I do remember being very convicted of my sin and um, realizing, you know, with a childlike faith that I am a sinner and that Jesus died for my sin and that I need him to forgive me. Mm -hmm. And um, I, uh, so I believe the Lord saved me when I was very young and I am very grateful for that. And he has uh, been faithful to lead me and grow me um, throughout the years. Um, of course, there were times of struggle, mm-hmm. um, particular times of trials, um, but the Lord was always faithful and good. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. That's good. That's good. I always love to hear other believers um, share the salvation story. It kind of reminds me. Um, God's sovereign power and his love shown to us and this happened daily but um, yeah I love to I love to hear that story and thank you guys for sharing that and I'm sure hopefully that it will you know encourage others and also maybe lead others to Christ too so Cheryl I knew you from Founders Baptist Church for those that yes. Founders. <laughs> that's right so uh we were both attending church of course that's why we are both attending church right now and yes. you are the women's director in our church and i um i have seen under your of course your teaching as well and i must say that i have learned a lot from you not only what you teach but your character as well because um you know, James 1 to 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. And of course it continues, but I'll stop here. 
but you have exemplified you know that by God's grace and you and I thank God for you setting that example to us younger women in church because it's always good to have teachers not just only that preach but also practice what they preach you know so and I thank God so much for you um, thank you no problem so I am curious to know and uh, and I'm sure some of the listeners also wants to know um, this because um, Caroline your co-author um, live in another state in North Carolina and you're sure you live here in Texas so how did both of you meet each other and decided to write a book together Well, many years ago, we actually lived in the same state. Um, We uh, both lived in California and actually lived just a couple blocks from each other. Um, The way we met was that when my husband decided to go to Westminster Theological Seminary about a year after we were married, Mm -hmm. we moved down to Escondido, California, which is in the San Diego area. Um, for him to attend that seminary Mm -hmm. and someone recommended a church to him and that church was grace bible church and so that's the first place we visited and we never visited anywhere else after we were there and that actually was the church where caroline's husband jim newheiser was one of the pastors and so it was a much smaller church than what i had grown up in and so i don't know caroline where there may be a couple hundred back Mm, then that's right yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was small enough where you really got to know a lot of people in the church. And um, at the time I was able to get to know Jim and Caroline. Um, we didn't hang out a ton, but she was very hospitable and would have um, us over at times. I remember watching football games and having meals. Um, Caroline never uh, sat down like in a mentoring relationship with me, a discipleship relationship like that. But I will say that I watched her, <laughs> whether she knew it or not, yeah, as, as, as being one of the younger women in the church at the time, because this is about 25 years ago. Oh, um, wow. um, so I watched her and the other, other elders' wives and some of the other women in the church, and I learned a lot. And um, when um, we finally had, when I had the idea for this book, And I thought, who could I write this with? And Caroline immediately came to mind. She was the only person who came to mind Mm -hmm. as the person who I would want to partner with for this project. So I got hold of her and she agreed. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Wow. It's good that you still remember, you know, from years ago, you still remember her. I'm sure. Were you shocked when she contacted you, Caroline? I was. I had been going along with life, and Cheryl and I had been in touch Mm -hmm. during the years, but I had been just doing my own thing, and I'd never considered writing a book. Actually, my husband's written many books, but I didn't have the skill. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, so Cheryl said she wanted to write, and one thing she said to me which helped was that she'd listened to a few talks I had given mm-hmm. and said, I want to turn that into a book. So those talks are really generated. They were what generated the book. Oh, um, wow. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, um, now let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the book. And um, I love the fact that both of you, uh, of course, are godly women. So that they have that fear of God in you, which means this book you just released called When What's Matter Must is not based on worldly wisdom or birth out of human imagination or fantasy, but is grounded in the truth, which is the word of God. So um, what are some Bible verses that anchor you to start writing this book? Well, one of the talks I gave was called Counseling and Weakness, mm. and that's based on the Titus 2, 3 through 5 passage that women need to be involved in each other's lives. And it can be on a level like we talk about in our book, just over coffee and um, in a relaxed manner in each other's homes. It doesn't have to be sitting down for an appointment. Yeah. So that was one of my heart issues was to encourage women to help one another 
it within the church. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. What about you, Cheryl? Um, a couple passages that I think that this book is really built upon. We, we bring them out in the first and second chapters of the book. And one of those passages is Ephesians 4, specifically looking at Ephesians 4.15, which talks about speaking the truth in love. And we look at it in context of the verses around it and um, just the importance of Christians living out the one another's of life um, mm-hmm. because we have received the love of the Lord and the wisdom of the Lord in his word, how important it is that we then speak his truth to one another when there is um, need in our lives. Um, another verse that we really highlight in the first couple chapters is First Thessalonians 5.14, which talks about the different kinds of burdens that people carry within the church. It says, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. And so it's those verses. And I think even a verse that I was really exposed to years ago um, when I first met Caroline and Jim, when he would provide some counseling training, um, was the verse in Galatians 6. Um, I believe it's Galatians 6, 2 that says, bear one another's burdens yeah. and thus and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. And so, you know, this book um, is really rooted in that idea okay. that we want to help women know how to bear one another's burdens and by doing so, Um, obey Christ by loving one another. Yes, that's true. Wow, that's beautiful. So um, in this book, When Words Matter Most, the subtitle is Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love. And you both did a very good job addressing majority of the concerns or issues people we love face. And we sometimes can find the words to use to encourage them or admonish them when needed. And I love the way this book is written with one voice because it was two authors so that the readers would not be confused. But at the same time, it, it also highlights each person's um, experience, like each author's experience by indicating the author's name so that the readers will know who experienced what. So um, in the second chapter, I think, of this book, um, Caroline, you shared an encounter you had with your burden friend, whereby your friend fell into a repeated sin, sinful habit, and she kept on coming to you to seek counseling on the same issue over and over again. And I would like to know, how did you control your emotions and thought not to judge her harshly or get fed up when she kept coming back to you with the same issue? Yeah, um, thanks for that question. And you might not be surprised, Connie, if I said she's still coming to me. (laughs) (laughs) She still needs encouragement. Because I I think of her as one of these weak that um, Cheryl mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Help the weak. She also was faint-hearted because over and over she kept struggling with this... um, dark cloud of discouragement Mm -hmm. Um, so it was encourage the faint-hearted help the weak so when she kept coming back sometimes she'd apologize oh I'm so sorry it's me again and um, it helped me to know how weak I am as well yes I tend to rely on my husband and always going to him for that for my insecurities and I need a verse and tell me how to get over my problems. So I have different problems than she did, but to know that I also am a weak person and I need encouragement and I'm faint hearted sometimes helps me to help her. And I yeah. also realized that my job isn't to fix her, mm-hmm. but it's more to just exalt Christ. So every time she comes in her weakness, I don't have to feel like my I have failed because I haven't fixed her yet, but I don't know. I want to exalt Christ and apply the gospel to her problems. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that um, your job is to exalt Christ because I love what you said on the book. 
um, you know, your friend's response was regarding to your friendship, both of you guys had, um, and, uh, and also your advice that you that, that helped her realize something. Let me go ahead and read it on the book. It's on page 35. Um, page 35, you say, in time, um, Christine's work with the Lord took a significant turn, and I could actually see it. She began strong in her faith and began sharing Bible verses with me for my encouragement. Let me go down a little bit what she told, she responded to you. And I quote, she told me that through our friendship, she learned that Jesus is the perfect friend, the friend of sinners who did not come for self-righteousness, but for the weak and needy. She saw him as her ultimate burden bearer who bore her sin on the cross. And now nothing could separate her separate her from his love. And I love that because you are not just drawing her to yourself, but you are exalting Christ to know that Jesus is that perfect friend. No, anybody, nobody can provide that um, love that we all desire except for Jesus. So I love that. Wanted to find that out. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you picked up on that, Connie. Yeah. So true. Yeah, that is also a reminder to me because sometimes we will want this and when we have this high expectation from people and they don't meet it, you get you know frustrated or let down, but you don't know they are a sinner just like you, trying their best to help encourage you. And knowing that Jesus is that perfect friend, you know who you're supposed to have all your trust, all your faith in, and he should be the one that can help you in all of that. So, so that's good. So um, now going to the other chapter that stood out to me, um, Cheryl, in the chapter titled The Greater Grace, you describe your interaction with your friend, um, Teresa, on how you try to counsel her using scriptures to help her navigate her family issues she's facing, especially, especially in regards to how she relates with her unbelieving or saved children. That particular interaction or conversation was pivotal and learning moment, as I think for parents, because you try to help your friend see that she often blame her children for her angry response, her angry responses, and your friend just couldn't see that. And I love your attitude and response towards her not seeing your point. So I think that would be in page 51 of this book. And I quote, you say, um, I began praying that the Lord would walk in her heart and teach her whatever he wanted her to learn. And um, I and I was wondering, I was like, how are you able to respond to that way, respond to her that way? And, and that shows a lot of grace and patience towards her, you know. And also, can you also tell us why it's important to be patient with one another? even when they can't see what we are telling them, that we know that it's the truth? That's a good question. And it actually relates a little bit um, even to what Caroline was just saying a few minutes ago. Um, I think we're able to be more patient with those who are struggling with sin or, or who are going through suffering um, when we remember that we also are sinners. And that we also have our own struggles. Um, you know, earlier in that particular chapter, I actually start the chapter talking about my own son and tucking him in, in, into bed at night and crying over my own anger during the day as I was caring for him as a young, um, as a young mother. And so with Teresa then, here I have a, a friend that I'm coming alongside and she's struggling with anger. Well, I know what that's like. Yeah. And so um, just coming alongside another believer, we may not always struggle with the same sins, but mm -hmm. sometimes we do. So whether we do or don't, we can still acknowledge, you know, I'm not perfect either. I don't have it all together, um, but the Lord has taught me some things and he's given me grace to come alongside you right now. Um, another thing that is helpful to be patient with those who are struggling with sin is just to remember that sanctification is not an overnight process. 
It's yes. not a quick fix. So when I say sanctification, what I mean is the, pro- the lifelong process of growing to be more Christ-like in our character and in our conduct. And, you know, we just need to acknowledge that that doesn't always happen quickly. There'll be times that we have, you know, maybe a big step of spiritual growth, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely going to be just those days of itty bitty baby steps. And so when we recognize that in our own lives, and then we see another person who just seems to be so slow in their spiritual growth, you know, we can say, well, you know, that's, that's true of me too. So again, that just helps us to have that patience and, um, and then really remembering that God is patient with us, with everything I've just talked about. God is long suffering. God is patient. Um, As it says in Psalm 103, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. Rather, he is like a compassionate father. And um, he understands that we are but dust. He understands our frame. Mm -hmm. And so that's Psalm 103 is a very encouraging chapter to me, Mm -hmm. just to remind me of God's loving kindness and his forbearance. Mm -hmm. And um, as we, I believe as we embrace that, as we talk about in this chapter, the greater grace, as we understand and comprehend the grace of God towards us, that enables us to be more gracious toward uh, towards others. Yes, that is so true. Remembering um, the grace that was shown to us. I think sometimes we can take it for granted and we think, oh my gosh, you know, how can this person now grow out of this, you know, and you don't want to be patient with them, but you don't know. You haven't even thought about how many times God have been patient with you every day, right. every second. So remembering that um, also to make sure, like you say at the beginning, bearing one another's burden. It, it ties with that too, you know, knowing that you are there, God has put you in that person's life to help them out. Um, and that requires patience and love yes. is patient, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's beautiful. So um, Caroline, in the chapter, when grace is tested, um, you describe a a situation where someone else, a friend in church, Anna, had to admonish you, basically calling you out on a a sin in your life, which you tend to um, kind of distance yourself unknowingly from women in your church. Um, For that reason, your friend is letting you know that women in your church didn't feel like they know you even though you were the pastor's wife and you accepted the correction very well, of course, that's after some hard, you know, evaluation, you know, using the scriptures. And you mentioned that you learned a lot from that conversation. And I'm going to read what you said um, about that. And that was on page 87. You said, um, and I quote, as uncomfortable as it is, as it was, I was forced to consider the motive for my aloofness. I learned there was a selfishness in my heart that had to be replaced with love. I realized that Jesus asked, no, I realized that just as Christ didn't live to please himself, neither was I to live to please myself. And you quoted Romans 15, three, close quote. So, um, can you elaborate how you arrive on that conviction and also share some tips on, on how we can evaluate our motive, especially when someone is correcting us? I like that question. And this was a hard part of the book to yeah. think about. because <laughs> Cheryl said, tell me a time when you were corrected. And I, Anna may not even remember saying that to me, but I remember, and I will not ever forget, (laughs) (laughs) because um, we're all sensitive when we're getting corrected, but the way she did it was just so sweet and kind, Um, so that helped it go down more easily, because I knew, like, the verse, faithful are the wounds of a friend, yeah, she was a friend who was faithfully helping me. And her motive was to help me to become a better church leader. I mean, she saw myself in leadership and she says, you need to share more. It was actually in the context of ladies Bible study. Yeah. 
we all sit around and we pray together, but share more of your heart, Caroline. So that's part of what I need to remember now, even. <laughs> but how to evaluate my motive when somebody's correcting me. Um, I really had to look at her as a friend who had, like I said, my best interest in heart at heart. Yes. She, uh, we already had a relationship. So that makes it easier. Yes. Um, and Ken Sandy in his Peacemaker Materials talks about a passport. You have to have a passport to enter to a country. And we need passport to enter into a friend's life. That's true. We don't just walk around and correcting people. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I thought about what she said to me, I, re I realized that she really did have a good goal in mind like she wanted to help me in ministry she also um was trustworthy that i knew she wasn't going to go around and talk to other people yes so that helped me take it well and i actually um was glad that she used scripture mm -hmm. and she talked about the way we should open up and as you mentioned the romans 15 3 passage and I was embarrassed yeah we are getting embarrassed <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it didn't break our friendship at all in fact it even made it stronger yeah because not many people have the courage to correct me so <laughs> she's yeah. become a very dear friend even more because of that yes and I love how you pointed out that you guys had a relationship, you know, and you can trust that she have a best interest at heart for you. And I think that's something we also need to learn, especially this social media age where people are just quick to, you know, give advice that we're not asked for, you know, mm -hmm. and they can be really harsh on that too. So you need to make sure you take time to understand this person that you're correcting and get to know them a little bit before you start admonishing them, you know. Mm -hmm. So that would be more helpful, you know, fruitful mm -hmm. too as well. But that's good. That's good. So um, going to another chapter that I love, I love how you both dedicated a chapter talking about the attributes of the scripture because that's, that's what actually transformed people's heart. And like you mm -hmm. mentioned, your friend actually pulled out scriptures, you know, telling you that, and that played a huge part, you know. So um, then, because um, when the scripture, the scripture, the word of God is what transforms people's heart. And then that's what, that's what will cause it to bear fruit. And then that's where we're going to see them in their behavior. And, um, and the attributes that you address on this book about the scriptures are, I'm just going to mention um, all of them and give a general meaning what that means. The first one was the authority of the scriptures, which means that the scripture is the word of God. And then the inherency of the scriptures, which means the Bible is true. And then the clarity of the scriptures, which, is, which means that the Bible's message is clear and can be understood by anyone, even a, a child, a younger person. And lastly, the sufficiency of scriptures, uh, which means the Bible is enough for our salvation and sanctification. And I want us to camp here for some time and talk about that, I talk about the sufficiency of scripture, because a lot of people do not believe or are deceived to think that the Bible is not enough for them. And I want to read what you said on this book. And because this is actually was a selling point for me. Why I say that is because um, when I was under the teaching of um, um, Michelle, she was uh, on Michelle, we had a Bible study and she had someone read um, this little passage uh, about the sufficiency of the scriptures. And when that person read it, we, everyone I think was like, wow. And then someone had to ask, where is this from? And then she was like, is my new book coming out? And I was like, what? I am going to read this book. But that was a selling point for me. So let me go ahead and read the passage that I'm talking about. So that is on page 105. Um, and, I, and I quote, for example, although the Bible does not teach how to, how to change a tire with step-by-step -step instructions, it does teach you how to change a tire with patience and self-control. 
Although it does not tell you who to marry by name, it does tell you who to marry, a man who works with Christ. The word does not explain how to fill out your tax forms line by line, but it does tell you how to fill out your tax forms with honesty and integrity. Are you personally struggling with anxiety, exhaustion, gluten, or grief? Are you dealing with an angry child, financial problems, or a difficult decision? No matter what you are facing, scripture is sufficient to provide all you need to glorify God in your circumstances. Close quote. I think that was that was just awesome, especially the tax part, filling out your tax with honesty. <laughs> I tell you, that one would get a lot of people because it was like, oh yeah, that is true. So uh, and um. So why is it important for believers to see and know that the scriptures is sufficient for them to live a godly life? Um, I'm so glad we get to talk about this because this is such a central idea to, to everything that we're talking about in this book, that God's word is sufficient, that God's word does give us everything we need in order to know him to be saved, but also to grow in Christ, to be sanctified. Um, God has not hidden any of that truth from us. He's made it very clear. And I, and for me, um, I think a passage that really speaks to that well, um, that has encouraged me so much is in Psalm 19, um, starting at verse seven. And I'm just going to read a couple of those verses. And as I do, um, if there's a believer listening to this podcast who is not sure about the sufficiency of scripture, just listen to how the psalmist describes the effects of scripture in the life of those who receive it, in the lives of those who receive it. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And so what we see in Psalm 19 is that God's word revives the, the soul. It mends the soul. It restores the soul. It gives us wisdom, it gives us joy, and it gives us understanding. It gives us spiritual understanding. And when you just stop and think about it, <laughs> there is no other source on the face of the planet yes. that can do all that. Yeah. So there is no blogger, there's no influencer, um, there's no self-help book, mm -hmm. there's no... Um, person. There's no other uh, system of thought that can successfully do all that God's word can do. And so the sufficiency of scripture is something that we must understand and cling to one for our own spiritual good, but also for the spiritual good of those to whom we are sharing his word. You know, they don't ultimately need to hear our opinions. They don't ultimately need to hear our uh, personal advice, even though that can be helpful in, in applying the scriptures. But ultimately what our loved ones need is what God has to say to them about their particular situation. Um, and when we remember that God's word comes from a holy God, it comes from a true God. It comes from the living God and that this is his word to us. I mean, I think that just really emboldens us to say, this is it. This is what we need to know. This is what my friend needs to know. And, and what a, what a privilege it is for me to be able to share this with her and, um, and for us together to come to understand it and apply it to our lives. Um, you know, second Timothy, 3, 16 through 17, all scriptures is, is inspired by God and profitable 
Oh, I'm going to go blank. Here we go. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Mm. So if there's anything that um, we struggle with in, in sin or in suffering, God has given us what we need in his scriptures to equip us to walk through that in faith and obedience. And um, I know I said a lot there, but it's, uh, it's just so important that we receive God's word as being sufficient. Yes, that is so true. I mean, I think um, sometimes when people are deceived, it's mostly when they're not in the word and they're just basing everything on what someone told them. And people can easily say, oh, Bible is not that enough. I don't even think they actually take the time to read it. You, you will find that, that the Bible addresses a lot of things. And the ones they didn't address, you can, there's some principles that you can learn, glean from there, and then help to apply that, like filling your tax or changing the tire and all those things. So uh, I'm glad you guys spend a lot of time talking about this, the word of God, because that's the main thing we need, because that's what we will use to encourage others. And that's what's going to transform people, you know, so to bear that good fruit, which is the um, the ones that are described in um, Galatians, I think 6, um, 20, 20 something, 22 to the end, the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, um, so we are narrowing it down, coming down to the end of this episode. But I would like to ask you guys, um, for both of you, you know, tell us why every Christian woman needs to have this book in their bookshelf and actually read it. And basically, what is the goal or message of this book that you want to convey to your readers? Well, I can start by saying that we need women to serve one another in the church. Yes. So that some of the major problems can be prevented at the early level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, for example, I have so many women who come to me for help and they say, Caroline, I have no body in my church who can speak scripture to me. Wow. I'm, I'm lost. I need a woman who could give me advice, but using the Bible. Hmm. But that's also what the scripture says we're supposed to do. So I mentioned the Titus 2, 3 through 5, that the older women are to train the younger women Mm -hmm. to do all these good things, Mm -hmm. to love their husbands, their children, etc. But I want to read you a couple more passages that say the same thing. For example, Colossians 3 says... um, We are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in verse 16, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So, and that's what we start with our book, speaking about scripture and have to dwell in us richly in order to go and teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And the same thing we read in Hebrews 10, 24. It says we are to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works because we have to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing there, I mean, the Lord's coming and we should be in the business of encouraging and teaching and strengthening one another. But I'll also end in uh, 1 Peter 3. In uh, verse 8, he says, at the summary of how women and husbands and wives are to act towards each other, it says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So these qualities come from knowing scripture and using scripture as we speak to one another. It's um, gonna, My job as a counselor is to take the really hard cases or people who are isolated in their churches, but I'd rather not have to do that job. (laughs) I'd rather women be serving and coming alongside one another in the churches. So they're equipped to serve the Lord more richly. Yes. 
That is so true. When we first started talking about writing the book, one of the things we discussed was how we wanted this book to be for um, the, the woman in the pew, the woman who's just sitting there and, you know, she sees a friend, a couple seats down and she's like, oh, I'm concerned about what she's going through, or she's sitting there and she's thinking of, um, you know, maybe her daughter back home and what she's going through. And, you know, every woman has a ton of relationships um, around her in which she sees spiritual needs. And each of us have a unique sphere of influence and where we're touching people's lives and we're aware of what people are going through and how they need to be loved and encouraged. And so we wanted to write a book that could be helpful to women to encourage them in doing what Caroline has been talking about, but also to actually practically help equip them for that task, um, to, to be able to speak biblical truth into the lives of those they love according to the needs of those women. And so we do have a portion that talks about truth for the worried woman or for the woman who is struggling or battling with sin or the woman who is just weary and exhausted as she's going through trials. And even for the woman who is grieving, we try to make this very practical, how to help those, those women. Those are some of the major issues that women deal with. And so that was really um, a motivation for us. Um, and so why should Christian women read this book? Because they're going to find it helpful. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is going to apply in more than one relationship in their life. And so um, the goal of the overall um, of the message or, or the goal or the message of the book is just to help encourage and equip women to do this well. Yes. Um, yeah. Wow, that's good. And to add to that too, because I've been reading this book and I was talking to Caroline before we started recording that this book is not one of those books you will read and forget about it. It's actually practical and you would need it. And because we have people, a lot of people that is suffering there, you know, even you too, you will be worried sometimes, but it mm -hmm. will kind of, um, you will have those, I think you guys addressed this, a page, you know, for the worry, for the waiting. I think weary, and then for the weeping, all these different um, issues that we might face. And you can go back to that. You guys do have some scriptures that you list, and that scripture is just like a starting point, you know, for us to get into the words. And and for those that don't know what to say, is a it's a good way, it's a good place to start, you know, because sometimes I don't know what to say to women that are lost their loved one. It's like I don't want to say the wrong thing, you know, but going to that chapter, reading the word, they can use the word to encourage them, you know, to console them while they are, um, they are still, uh, you, know, you know, still um, weeping or still going through this lost, lost one, that, someone they just lost, you know, while they are grieving. So um, we thank you guys so much for that. And this book, I, I already told myself, as I keep coming back to it. And I I'm not still done because sometimes I'll read it and come back reflect what I just read and then go back again. So it's a practical, a practical book. And it's not just one of those you just forget about and let it just be on the bookshelf. But um, yeah. And, and I thank you guys. Thank God for, you know, putting you guys together to write the book. But um, before we go, do you guys have anything else you want to add to this that I didn't address or we didn't address at all? I would just say that you have found the flavor mm -hmm. of our book. And I think you've done a fine job of directing the questions to our, our own personal interaction with the word mm -hmm. and our own personal interaction with being um, equipped, but also you've also helped us by showing that we are really trying to help women. And so you've given us a good venue for explaining all that thank you connie uh, thank you guys thank you all yes thank you so much it's a it's encouraging just to hear how you have interacted with material yourself and mm -hmm. um, how it's been helpful to you and and that is our prayer that this is helpful to women um, in their own walks with christ but also as they encourage other women to walk 
with Christ and to know him and to love him. So thank you so much. Thank you, Or. So um, do you guys have any upcoming event or maybe next book that you wanted to tell us about today? Um, I think there's a couple little ideas percolating. Um, I'm not sure if we're ready to reveal those at the moment yet, Um, but I'm going to be speaking in Plainview, Texas in mid-February and I have several places next semester. So if anybody wants to see where I'm speaking next semester, um, they can go to CherylMarshall.com and find that there. And maybe Caroline has a few coming up too. I do. My teaching schedule is on carolineneuheiser.com. Okay, that's good. And guys, I will have their website link on this episode um, description so you can get in touch with them and know what they are up to and sign up if you need to sign up. But um, uh, we have come to the end of this episode. And thank you, Cheryl and Caroline, for granting this interview. It has been an honor and privilege to interview both of you. And like I said earlier, this is the first time I'm interviewing two people at the same time. So this is going to be in the record as a special moment in the history of this podcast. So um, thank you guys once again. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Um, Thank you guys for joining us today. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and hopefully you were blessed by this episode. And if you, if you don't mind, check out the episode description to get in contact with our guests and also purchase this book when words matter the most. You can find it in Crossway um, books, I think Crossway website. And also, um, I think you can also find it on Amazon if it's not out of stock yet, but um, it, it will be a blessing to you, trust me. And um, thank you guys. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to. Remember, God love you and I love you too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vent Time with Connie podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Please don't forget to like, rate, review, or share this podcast. Do you have any feedback or questions for Connie or any topics you'd like to discuss on the show? Connie loves communicating with our listeners. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Vent Time with Connie or send an email to venttimewithconnie at yahoo.com. Until next time, remain blessed.